Episode 22 December, the season of abandonment, descended. But how things had changed. Now Jackie lived in the eye of the holiday storm. Christmas, as the phenomenon was coming to be understood, depended on her baby daughter and on her. As Carl's Mart's new vice president for product management and media relations, Jackie was charged with keeping Molly lovely, on time, and on cue for everyone for televised appearances, photo shoots, and visits to Carl's Mart stores throughout Southern California, and soon Harry promised the whole country, then Canada, Japan, and Europe. Jackie engaged in constant negotiations with directors, producers, makeup artists, and representatives of the company manufacturing the talking Molly dolls that givers were to receive after their first 100 purchases. She had stopped noticing whether she was in a limo, an office, a Carl's Mart store, or a studio. Even her home seemed like nothing more than a darker-than-normal place she was passing through, or which was passing over her like a cloud. For the general public there was no escaping Molly. For the past month, she had appeared on television almost 24 hours a day. First of all, there were the commercials for the wide range of affordable items at Carlsmart, meant to recruit new givers for the Christmas everyday experience. That was Harry's term for it. He disliked the word program. The commercials ran on every station. In the spot for the Xenon personal cassette player, only fifty-nine ninety-nine at Carlsmart, Molly sat on a park bench in the middle of a raging thunderstorm, projected on a green screen, in reality intended to represent her mood, her screaming instantly ignited viewers' guilt. Who left that poor baby out in a storm? Why, I must have. I'm a monster. How can I become a better person? A pair of beneficent hands reached down and placed headphones over Molly's ears. The sky and Molly's face cleared simultaneously as cartoon birds landed on her shoulders. Can't you think of someone who'd love a xenon? The announcer purred. Or take the commercial for Rock on Sneakers, twenty-nine ninety-nine. Again, via green screen technology, Molly sat inside a giant shoe as if she were driving a car. The shoe was an inferior brand, so it wouldn't go anywhere, causing Molly, naturally, to scream. Dissolved to Molly seated in the rock-on, zipping along a winding country road. Her amazing blonde curls flowed in the breeze, generated by an off-screen industrial fan, as she squealed delightedly and clapped. Why not give someone you love a pair of rock-ons? And freedom! The announcer then recited the benefits of becoming a giver. Of course, viewers were still welcome to buy rock-ons at Carlsmart, whether or not they signed up for CED. But then the rock-ons would be merely shoes. Don't you, the announcer inquired, want something more out of life? The commercials pivoted on the ability to turn Molly's screaming on and off like a faucet. Take Carl away from her, and she screamed bloody murder. Give him back, or at least show him to her just out of camera range, and all was right with the world again. The whole business made Jackie a tad uncomfortable, especially as she was the one who usually made Carl vanish and reappear. But Molly showed no signs of being traumatized or of building up a carapace of resentment. As soon as she saw Carl, her pain vanished, and everyone who witnessed the change felt cleansed. If the commercials were raindrops steadily pelting consumers' heads, the CED network, CEDN, also known as the Giving Channel, was the mighty Mississippi at flood stage. It ran on cable television 24 hours a day. Molly appeared several times each day in taped segments, perched on the laps of various celebrities in front of a giant blinking Christmas tree. Contrary to rumor, the tree was not sending out coded signals. They were not necessary, as the actual signals were powerful enough. Gala microwave, chirped Molly, whose linguistic precociousness amazed even her mother. The seven-month-old infant memorized and repeated every brand name and slogan, provided it was reasonably short as soon as the words were spoken to her. She had turned out to be a prophet after all, just of a different realm. The microwave was the gift of the day, and it could be ordered by phone or purchased at a local Carlsmart. 
The celebrity beamed and nodded vehemently at the camera, as if to say, It's true. Now get cracking. For genuine family feeling, these segments were recorded in Tessa's Victorian, the Majeski bungalow having been deemed unsuitable. Tessa concurred, noting that the nation's most adored baby could not be seen scrabbling around in that hovel like a mouse in a shoebox. Diaphanously gowned, fingers barnacled with homemade rings, Tessa fawned over the celebrities as they swept into her living room, as many as three on a given day. She had gone so far as to kiss Cheryl Teagues's hand while escorting her to the armchair. This arrangement increased the tension between Jackie and her mother, and this morning Jackie once again found herself yelling at her on the phone. "'What do you mean she should be training for the—' "'Did you just say theater? Are you British now?' She's not going to be in any plays, Mom, or movies either. She's not an actress. She's the Christmas spirit. She inspires people to become their best selves. Why can't you understand that? Jackie slammed down the phone and stomped into the kitchen, where Kyle sat in front of a half-eaten bowl of cereal. Jackie pretended to have forgotten something in the living room. Oh, she whispered as she stubbed her toe on the kayak in the hallway. A man from Montana had sent it to Molly two days ago. C.E.D. had caught on faster than even Harry Ricker had predicted, because of one factor which no one had foreseen, though in hindsight seemed glaringly obvious. The person for whom people most wanted to buy gifts was Molly. Her beauty, her innocence, the thunderous depth of her needs combined with the evident simplicity of meeting them. Now imagine all that turbocharged with the power of the media. Molly truly was supernatural. Which meant that Carl's Mart products now arrived at the Majeski household at a geometrically increasing rate. The bungalow was already packed to capacity with toys, cooking utensils, clothing, bottles of spot remover, tires, ottomans with hidden compartments for God knew what, bird cages, three ring binders, candy, paint by number kits, children's books, personal flotation devices, rifles, hats, Halloween costumes, and so on. Tessa's house and garage had been commandeered, and Jackie had arranged for a storage unit, which would soon prove nowhere near sufficient. She wished she could give some things away to charity, but that would not have been in the spirit of CED. The gifts had to be appreciated, no loved, by their original recipients, or the whole system collapsed. Jackie could not wait to move to Christmastown. The drawings showed miles of underground storage facilities, and Harry had indicated that they would be able to move in early. Jackie sat on the kayak and rubbed her toe. In her mind, her feet were in Harry's lap as she reclined on the cushions, or, even better, that ridiculously soft carpet in his office. Her shoulders, like her legs, were bare. Harry was so well-traveled, he must know some exotic massage technique. Harry whispered, I've been so alone. These days, if Jackie rested for even one second, a reverie like this could drown her. She returned to the kitchen and to Kyle. She really did not have time for this. How's the van coming, she said, yanking out a chair for herself. The vinyl was cracked, foam stuffing with a dry yellow crust had seeped out. Why hadn't someone sent Molly a new dinette set? Kyle shrugged. There are some issues with the kelp. Enrique's working with a new nozzle. Did you like the sheepskin seat covers I bought you? Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to send in a coupon or something, right? The thank you coupons were Jackie's idea. It had dawned on her that certain givers might create a Christmas list, all right, but then keep all the purchases for themselves, and so coupons were now attached to every Carlsmart product, and recipients simply tore them off, signed them, and mailed them, postage paid, to a facility in Nebraska. Once the signature was verified, the giver got credit for an additional 10% off any purchase. Harry had been skeptical of the coupons at first. He did not believe giving should be in any way coerced. But Jackie did not want any selfish people slipping through the cracks into Christmastown. Or, to put it another way, a giver's generosity had to mean something, and every false giver who gamed the system chipped away at that meaning. Follow the procedures. Follow them well. Anyway, Jackie had thought Kyle really would like the seat covers. 
Also the rent set, tires, chrome wheel covers, fuzzy dice, road atlas, duffel bag, even the nice dress pants for whenever he decided to do his act again. But the thank you coupons were still attached to each item, along with the explanation of how they were supposed to work. All he had to do was sign and mail them, but he never did. Of course, the Majeskis were already guaranteed a spot in Christmastown, so neither the coupons nor the gifts really mattered in their case. It was just that it was such a simple action. The coupon was right there. Don't worry about it, Jackie said. I was thinking, Kyle said as Jackie checked her watch. The driver was coming in five minutes to take her and Molly to the Christmas tree lighting at the Van Nuys Carlsmart. I could do something on CEDN. Like what, Jackie said. Unfortunately, she knew what. Like a regular gig. For Christ's sake, Jackie, I'm Molly's father. How come she can sit on David Brenner's lap and not mine? I could do my act and plug the product at the same time. I have no moral objection to plugging products, if that's what you're thinking, and I'd work for free. What about going on tour, Jackie asked. You're going to go on tour and all. You've got your road atlas, your nice new duffel bag. The van's not done, and it'll give me a real boost to be on television first. If you're on TV, you get bigger audiences. Nicer ones, too. They give you the benefit of the doubt if you're famous. Can you ask Ricker? Jackie did not need to ask Harry. She selected all the celebrities who appeared with Molly. As VP for PM and MR, not to mention Molly's mother, she was the guardian of her child's image, and no weirdos or cokeheads would ever get their hands on her. Still, it would have been so much easier to tell Kyle that she had asked Harry and that Harry had said no, but she didn't want to put Harry in that position. The thing is, Kyle, I don't think impressions would be appropriate. You had Fred Travellina on last week. He did Michael Jackson. Yes, I know, but... Harry said no more impressionists after that. Oh, Lord, Rich Little had just taped a segment. The thing is, Kyle, Jackie said, checking her watch again, Fred's impressions are more polished than yours. He's been doing them for years. So have I. But he's a professional. Listen, I used to be a runner, right? You still look like one, Kyle said with a sad smile. But I didn't think I was Flojo or anybody, Jackie said. I was just having fun. It made me happy, like doing impressions makes you happy. And it's great, Kyle, that you found something you really enjoy doing. Now you can do it as much as you want, because we don't have to worry about money anymore. A strategy took shape in Jackie's mind, inspired by one of Molly's commercials. I mean, think of the freedom you have, Kyle. That's a gift that almost no one else has. Fred Travellina has to do impressions. They're his job. I bet it's no longer even fun for him. Every day he has to go somewhere and do this guy or that guy, no matter how sick of them he is, because that's what the public demands. But you, you get to do impressions for pure joy. You're lucky. No, you're blessed. I hope you'll see that for yourself one day. The doorbell at long last rang. Jackie rushed to collect Molly as Kyle returned to the cold slime that was his cereal.